0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. It's good to see you today. Have a good day in God's house. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to continue this series on um, the helper. We started last week about the Holy Spirit, so we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1, and then we're going to start in verse 1. I got a good word for you today. Talking about the Holy Ghost. So we're going to start here in Acts chapter 1 on this series about the helper. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. And notice what he says here. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised. Now He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And He replied, The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But notice what this is, what you do need to know. I, I need you today. I know you're thinking about Pernelli's, but you got to think about the Holy Ghost first. He said, it's not about talking about the end times in the book of Revelation at church. No, you don't need to know that right now. You'll get there. We'll all get there. But you don't need to know that. What you do need to know is this, but you will receive power. Come on, this is a Spirit-filled church last time I checked. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be a witness telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is power in love. Power in love. And today I want to continue talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the Helper. And last week we talked about who is the Holy Spirit. The reason for this series of messages, uh, there there's several reasons, but I want to share a few reasons why I'm sharing about the Holy Spirit. First of all, if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is and what He means to you, you cannot receive His help. If you do not know who the Holy Spirit is, you cannot receive His power. If you do not know who the Holy Spirit is in your life, you cannot receive the greatest friendship you were called to have with the person of the Holy Spirit. But also I'm preaching about the Holy Spirit on Sundays is because there's so much fear and ignorance and and misconceptions about who the Holy Spirit is and who He isn't about what it means to be spirit-filled and what and what it means to be a Pentecostal or a charismatic. What does that mean? Because I've just seen a lot of weirdness in the church. I've seen a lot of strange people that weren't the Holy Ghost. They were just weird people. And so people are hesitant to receive it. But how many know, isn't that the plan of the enemy? To get people afraid of what what will actually help them? what will actually give them power. He wants to get you afraid of what will actually help your life and change your life. And so you got non-Christians afraid of the Holy Ghost, but you got Christians afraid of the Holy Ghost because of fear and ignorance of the subject about the Holy Spirit. So that's why I'm talking to you about it, because I think you need to know it's so important because Jesus said it was important. If you say you believe in Jesus... And he's your Savior and Lord. Well, Jesus said that you need the Holy Ghost, that you need the Holy Spirit in all his fullness to complete the mission and the plan of God on the earth. And he said you can't do anything without him, so you need to wait till you get him so you can do everything God has called you to do. We know this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He is not less than the Father and the Son. He is equally God as the Father and the Son is God. God is one Uh, God, three persons, he reveals himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me read you a statement about the the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. It's not a force. He is God indwelling the redeemed and working within the believer to fulfill the will of God. It is a blessed and glorious privilege for all believers to have the uh, 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 assurance and, and the anointing on them and the joy and the knowledge and the spirit that God lives in them and is upon them. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is the spirit of God dwelling in you and upon you. Working in you today. So I want to take a step further this morning. We're talking about power and love. I've got a lot of things to say, but I feel like you're, you're going to be good responders this morning. So, um, first of all, I want to explain some things about the Holy Spirit coming within you and the Holy Spirit coming with on you. So, this is something that people have questions about. And there is two different things talked about in your Bible pertaining to the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit and He comes in you. But... Your Bible says there is a secondary thing pertaining to the Holy Spirit called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just like you need to be baptized in water, which you were last week, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptism means to immerse and subdue. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes within you. Stay with me but when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you with power. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you for salvation. But when he, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you for service. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes on you and in you for you. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, He comes on you for others. It's different. And a lot of believers just believe they got all the Holy Ghost they needed when they got saved. No, you didn't. You got all you needed to get to heaven, but you didn't get all you needed to change the earth. You got all you needed to have a relationship with God, but you didn't get all that was needed. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with power. So your Bible says that both of these things happen. Yes, you can receive Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, but that's just for you. That's just for your personal salvation. But there's a secondary thing when He comes upon you and you are baptized or immersed in the Spirit, and He comes on you for service for others. Because if you don't have any power on you for others, you can't help anybody. And we got a lot of believers who are not baptized in the Holy Ghost who are trying to preach messages, and there's no power, so no one's being changed. There's a lot of churches this morning that don't pray for people to get healed. You know why? Because they ain't got no power to be healed. There's a lot of churches that people are coming in there with mental issues, and all they say is, take your medication, we can't help you. Because they have no power to deliver them. There's a lot of people in churches that are singing worship songs today. But they don't have no Holy Spirit on it. So there's no power. No chains are being broken. No anointing is in that place. No strongholds are being broken down because there's no power because they have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, really, when we say I got all the Holy Ghost I needed when I got saved, that means you're selfish. Because you only care about you, because you got all the Holy Ghost you needed. To get saved, but you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit on you and upon you so you can help somebody else get saved, so you can help somebody else get delivered, so you can see somebody else get healed, so you can see a miracle happen in your life and not just say, I can't help you because I have no power myself. And all of the people in the book of Acts in the New Testament believed like this. This is not a fringe topic. This is not certain type of denominations believed in this and other denominations didn't. No, in the early church, there was no denominations. No Baptists, no Pentecostals, no Catholics, no Methodists, no Lutherans, no Church of God in Christ. There was no denominations because they all just believed the Bible. They all just spoke in tongues. They all just healed people. They all just delivered people. They all just were faith people. That's just the way it was. It wasn't too men got involved that messed this thing up. I don't know if you're ready for me this morning. Pastor, I just came to get a hot dog at Pernelli's. I didn't want to hear all this. You're going to get more than a hot dog today. You're going to get the Holy Ghost before it's all said and done. That hot dog will taste better when you're spirit-filled. Because he came to give us life and life abundantly. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying so far? So let me make this clear again. You do not need the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being spirit-filled to be saved. There's a lot of people that love the Lord, do not believe like this whatsoever. They're going to heaven God bless them. We'll see them when we get there. But I cannot be dishonest with you today and not act like they're not missing out. Because they are. And I'm not saying it in pride and arrogance. I'm saying that because your Bible says that. They're missing out. Because if God said that there is a promise coming for you and a gift coming for you and you don't receive it, That means you're missing out. Just common sense here. Just thinking through this. You would be missing out. I love this. This is what Pastor Chris Hodges says about being spirit-filled. Being spirit-filled doesn't make me better than you. It makes me a better me. But you have to be honest and say, if Jesus said that there's a gift and you don't receive it, you are missing out. Just from my time in church, which has been 33 years and nine months of my life, I've known a lot of Christians from every church denomination under the sun, all great people, but a lot of them struggle because they don't believe in the power. A lot of them live a powerless life. Nice people, great people. But they don't get it because they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with power. They struggle to be a Christian. When God says, it's not about you being a Christian, I'm going to give you power to live this Christian life. (laughs) They struggle to get the concept of healing and deliverance and freedom and victory because they got no power. Because they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their life. And God has that for not just a select few or a spiritual elite. He has that for everyone. Everyone is promised the gift of the Holy Spirit if we would only receive it in all its fullness. So once again, yes, I do believe that you are going to heaven. You do have the Holy Spirit, even if you're just saved. But there is a secondary filling that the Bible talks about called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That he comes not just in you, but he comes upon you for service to others. I wrote this down because I was thinking this yesterday. The question is not, do I got all the Holy Spirit I needed when I got saved? The question is, did the Holy Spirit get all of me when I got saved? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. He fills you up so much that you gets out of you. Because you're your own problem. <laughs> People are like, I got all the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but does he have you? Because you're still full of you. That's why you don't have any power once you're saved. But the Holy Spirit in his fullness, when you get baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit, he fills you so much with himself to overflow, all of you gets washed out and the Holy Spirit flows in you and through you for service to other people. That's another reason why people don't want to be spirit-filled. I'm going to have to get rid of some of me. I'm going to have to give up some things in my life. I'm going to have to be a little more committed now because the Holy Spirit's filling me and I'm not full of myself. I'm full of Him. But I don't want that. I'm good with just getting to heaven. But I don't want the fullness of the Holy Spirit because it means responsibility for me to help other people. You guys still with me this morning? Listen to this verse in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. They will act religious. Know any? You know a few of those? But they will reject the power that could make them godly. Notice it says stay away from people like that. You guys are still trying to go to Coffee Crossing with people like that. (laughs) They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. That's why some people don't want the Holy Ghost. Because if I really get the fullness of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to have to start living right. I'm going to have to start getting more committed to God because I'm going to be convicted now. I'm going to reject the power because I don't want to be looked like, like I'm an outcast or like I'm a weirdo because I believe in healing and I believe in deliverance and I believe in miracles. So I want to blend in with everybody, so let me go to a safe church who doesn't believe much. And that's seeker friendly to to everything around me. And I I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. And I want to be politically correct because I don't want people to judge me. So I want to go to the safe church. And I want to believe safe things. But you'll never change anyone's life living like that. The Bible says some will act religious but reject the power that could make them godly. I'm not even talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers do that all the time. They're religious, but no power. They go to church, no power. They listen to Christian radio, no power. They even kind of read their Bibles, no power, just religion. And they wonder why nobody wants what you want and what you have. Because you act religious, but you deny the power that could change your life. You deny the power that can make you godly. You deny the power that can make you different, that you could actually change your world. Because I'm scared about what people might think of me. Some some of you don't even admit you go to this church because of that. Ain't nothing to be afraid of. Well, they know they speak in tongues, so I don't want to mention that. They need that power that can make them godly. That's why you got the issues that you do. I don't want to talk about it because we believe in healing and miracles and signs and wonders. We believe in deliverance. I don't want to talk about that around other people that might make them uncomfortable. What, their demons? It would make their demons uncomfortable. Because they need the deliverance that you're withholding because you're afraid of what people think about you because you're walking in God's power. All right. You just wanted the cheese fries today. I know. I know. They will reject the power that makes them godly. Don't be that way. You know why? Because. Jesus said you needed the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it was a gift and a promise to you. Why wouldn't you want what Jesus said you need? Because you know better, right? You know better. Jesus said you needed this. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem Until the Holy Spirit is poured out in all his fullness and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it's a gift for everyone. Here's something about a gift it must be received. It cannot be earned, it must be received. This is not for the spiritual elite or a certain type of person, it's not for some, it's for everyone. And it must be received. If we all went to a party and the the party person said, all of you get a gift when you leave, and I grabbed the gift and you didn't, would I have something that you don't have? Yes. Would you be missing out for that gift? Yes. That doesn't make me better than you. All that means is I received the gift that you could have had too. But until you receive that gift of the Holy Spirit in all his fullness, you will not have power in your Christian life. And I'm going to tell you more as we go on in this message, what that power does to live this new life. The Holy Spirit brings that power into your life. You guys still with me today? I know I'm confrontational. It's good for you. I've just heard so much nonsense In my lifetime pertaining to this subject, I got to tell you the truth. Because you need the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. And you don't need to let the people on the extremes tell you what's right. There's extreme Pentecostals. They're not right either. And there's extreme people that say the Holy Spirit barely even exists and we don't believe in any of it. They're wrong too. No. How about we believe this? What's right? And that's what's in the Bible. That's what we believe around here. We're not in a denomination. You can't put us in a a denomination. Read it on the website. we non-denominational. You can't pin us in. What do I believe? What, What do I don't believe? You don't know. I believe the Bible. You know why we're not a denomination? Because there's stereotypes with denominations. There's traditions with denominations. I don't know what to call us. We're a mixture of everything. That's what we are around here. We just believe the word of God, and we're trying to be like the early church was. Let me give you a a few more definitions, because I said this a bunch last week, and I realized I didn't even explain what this means. Some of you know what it means. Some of you don't. But I use the term charismatic Pentecostal. Now, some of you know what that means. Some of you are just like, I have no idea. I said it a bunch last week. This is all it means. So charismatic, when I say charismatic When people say that, they're referring to the group of people that believe in, really, the gifts of the Spirit. Charismatic comes from the word charisma, which is in your New Testament. All it means is gift or grace. So when we say somebody's a charismatic, we mean that they believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we are a charismatic church. And here's the other word, Pentecostal. Pentecostal, when I say that, it it comes from the word Pentecost, which means 50. Scary, right? 50. Pentecostal, when I say Pentecostal, it's not just a denomination. Pentecostal just means that you believe what the Bible says out of the book of Acts, especially Acts 2, you believe that that Pentecostal experience is still for today, which I'm about to talk about. You believe that the the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. and So when somebody says you're a charismatic or a Pentecostal, you should say, yes, I am. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and I also believe in the book of Acts, where it says that people were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they were Spirit-filled. I believe in that experience. It wasn't just for back then. It is for today. So I just wanted to give some definitions to those words, charismatic and Pentecostal. So let's, let's take a step further. Let me take you over to the book of Acts chapter 2. You guys still here this morning? Acts chapter 2. I think some, some of you are a little unsure of me today. It's okay. You just want tacos. I'm all right with that. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read here in a moment. But I want to explain to you a little bit about what the day of Pentecost means. So we see that Jesus said before he left, after he resurrected, he said to all his disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit is poured out. I I want you to wait in Jerusalem till the gift and the promise of the Spirit comes. Because you can't do anything without him. And I want you to wait there. And he didn't give them a time frame. So they had no idea. That, that was faith that was waiting for the Holy Spirit. And the, the Holy Spirit would come 50 days after Jesus first announced this. So we see that all of the Bible points to Jesus and the whole New Testament. The Old Testament is God's will concealed, but the New Testament is God's will revealed. But we see that everything in the Old Testament is pointing to something in the new. Because it's fulfilled in the new. The promise is in the new. The fulfillment of all of the Old Testament is in the new. And so everything in your Bible is pointing to something greater and deeper fulfilled in the New Testament or the New Covenant. But I want to talk to you about a second. So what is this Pentecost or this feast of Pentecost or this day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit got poured out on? Well, let's start here. We see in the Old Testament there would be feast, And the feast would be celebrations that the Old Testament people would celebrate different things that happened that God did for them. there were seven major feasts in the Old Testament. But all of those feasts are pointing to a fulfillment in the New. They're not just about what happened in the Old. They're about what's happening in the New. So let me take you to this one first, and we mention this. There's the Feast of Passover. Jesus died during the Feast of the Passover. Why? Because it wasn't just about the Passover. It was about Jesus. In the feast of the Passover, in the Old Testament, we see that God's people were in Egypt and the death angel was going to pass over and bring judgment to, to the people of God and the people of Egypt. And what happened was this. God said, I want you to put blood on your doorpost with the blood of a lamb. Oh, I love preaching on this. It wasn't just about the blood of the lamb. It was about the blood of the lamb to come in the new covenant, which was Jesus. And they called it Passover because he said, When I see the blood on your house, I'm going to pass over. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. That's why he died on the feast of the Passover, because he is the true lamb, and he is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And because when we apply the blood of Jesus to our life, the enemy has to pass over. There's another feast a few days later. It happened to be on the day that Jesus was resurrected, and it's called the Feast of First Fruits, because Jesus was the first fruit from the dead. He was the first one out of the grave. He was the first one born again. Now, we come after him, but he was the first fruit, so we celebrate the feast of the first fruit, and that's pointing to Jesus on the resurrection. But 50 days later, there's another feast called the Feast of Pentecost when the day of Pentecost happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. So what's the significance of the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Well, I'm going to tell you. So we see that Jesus met with his disciples after he was resurrected for 40 days. And Pentecost comes 50 days later. So you imagine the disciples had to wait 10 days in the upper room. They had to wait 10 days in the upper room thinking, praying, wondering what was going to happen next. Jesus said the Holy Ghost is going to come in all his fullness. But where is he? But 50 days later from when Jesus said it, it happened to be the Feast of Pentecost. Yes. Now, let's start here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. I feel my help coming. <laughs> I'm going to preach this whether you want tacos or not today. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Why, why did it fully come? Because the Old Testament Pentecost, that wasn't the real thing. That wasn't the real thing. That was just a type and the shadow of the real Pentecost to come. So the Old Testament Feast of Pentecost, that wasn't the real one. But this one, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice they were all in one accord and in one place. Unity. And suddenly there came a sound From heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and set upon each of them. Verse 4 And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's jump to, to verse, I think it's 36 or 37, 38. Notice this after this experience, this is what Peter said. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's stop right here. Because some people say, well, it's only for a select few. Okay, well, what does the Bible say? You say that, but what does the Bible say? The Bible says this. Next verse, 39. And notice this gift of the Holy Spirit is for the promises to you and to your children. And to and to and to and to all who are afar off, that's us, we're coming, as many as the Lord our God will call. So this was when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now I didn't leave you hanging. So the the old testament Pentecost was not the real Pentecost, it's in the New Testament. But notice all the old points to the new. The Old Testament Passover was pointing to Jesus, the New Testament Passover lamb. The Old Testament feast of first fruits was pointing to Jesus, the first fruits from the dead. But what does Pentecost have to do with? Glad you asked. The Old Testament or Old Covenant feast of Pentecost was started when Moses got the law of God And brought it down the mountain. This is too good. I'm about to pray in tongues before the service is over. (laughs) And they celebrated, all of Israel celebrated when Moses, you remember, he went up on the mountain and God spoke to him and he looked like he was glowing. And he received the Ten Commandments. And he brought the law of God down. It was a supernatural day. And when he brought the law of God down, Aaron and the rest of the people were having a party. And not a church party. Or a church picnic. An X-rated party. See what happens when you don't have a good leader around. People just lose their minds. Y'all just saw the miracles that God did, and Moses leaves you for a few days. And Isn't that what a pastor feels like? I can't even go on vacation. Y'all just acting crazy. I feel for Moses. Moses is like, I left my brother in charge, and this is what happens a few days later. You guys were there when the seas parted. You guys were there to see the miracles of God, and just a few days later, you're returning back to your old idols and your old way of living that quickly. Don't think we're above that. We all do the same thing. I'm getting, getting to what I really want to say. So we, they, they celebrated when God gave Moses the law, and he brought the law down. Is the Feast of the Pentecost in the Old Testament but notice that's a type and shadow pointing to the New Testament so we see that the Old Testament feast of Pentecost was the giving of the law but the New Testament feast of Pentecost is the giving of the Spirit in the New in the Old Testament Moses brought the law down With judgment. But in the New Testament, God brought the spirit down with grace. In the Old Testament, Moses came down the mountain with tablets of stone with God's law in it. In the New Testament, God writes the law on our hearts by the spirit. So I don't need a book to tell me what to do now because I got the Spirit in me who gave me the laws in the first place. And now that He can lead me and guide me into all truth. And when I'm wrong, He will convict me. And so in the Old Testament, they had to look at written stone tablets, but in the New Covenant Feast of Pentecost, the Spirit of God writes on your heart that you know right from wrong. Now you don't have to have somebody policing you all the time. And telling you, you can't do this, you don't do this. No, you got the own law giver, life giver, living on the inside of you now. That he lives and abides with you forever. And not only that, he gives you the power to do it. you still here. But we see in the Old Testament feast of Pentecost, when God brought the law down through Moses, people were acting crazy. And it says when the law of God came down, judgment came because they were sinful and 3,000 people died that day. But in the new covenant on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down and filled his people, the Bible says in Acts 2 that 3,000 people got saved on the first day. Because the old is pointing to the new, and the new is pointing to the old, and it's fulfilled in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Are you guys getting this so far? And that's why your Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, that the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. So I think we should have a better appreciation for the Feast of Pentecost. This is not just a fringe thing. This is not just Pentecostals who are emotionalism. No, this is all rooted in your Bible. And when you deny what happened on the day of Pentecost, and it's for you today, you're saying that it didn't matter in the Old Testament either. Because the Old Covenant is fulfilled in the New Covenant, Pentecost. But notice... If you read that, it says on the day of Pentecost they'd fully come and they were all in one place and all in one accord. But there was fire and there was wind and there was God's power and presence in the same way there was on the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament when Moses brought the law down. Because it was a sign and a wonder to them that this is a new covenant and this is a new Pentecost. And this is a new day. This is not the giving of the law. This is the giving of the Spirit. This is not written in stone. This is written on your hearts. This is not when you die because of judgment. This is when you come alive because of grace and the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. I love one definition of the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. I'm going to talk about two things as we close here. Did you guys get some out of that? Two things that the Holy Spirit brings into our life. There's more than this, but I want to share these two. First, I want to start with power. We've been talking about that. Acts 1.8, let's look at it again. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power. Let me tell you what this power means. The word power in this is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. The word dunamis in the, the Greek New Testament means this. It has a lot of definitions this power that the Holy Spirit gives us, it's explosive power. It's phenomenal power. It's superhuman power that has enormous energy, might, and force. Those are all definitions given out of that one Greek word, dunamis. So, Jesus says, you will receive this explosive power Superhuman, enormous energy, might, and force, and power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not just, oh, I'm forgiven, guys. Come on, let's get better than this. Jesus didn't go through all of that for, I'm just forgiven, guys. And I'm just like everybody else, guys. And I'm just struggling like everybody else, guys. And I'm just failing like everybody else, guys. And the the enemy's running over my my life like everybody else, guys. And I'm falling into temptation like everybody else, guys. No, he did not die for that. See, you hear the opposite of this all week long. I got to tell you the truth. That's why I'm talking this way. The Bible says... When you receive the Holy Ghost in all of its fullness, and you might not not feel like it today. You might not feel like it. You might feel weak. You might feel broken. You might feel insecure. You might feel like the devil has been defeating you and winning and beating the snot out of you. But you need to realize today, you shall receive power. You might feel like that, but don't listen to the lies of the enemy because in you, the power in you is greater than what comes against you. That's why the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and makes alive your mortal body. When you feel defeated, when you feel broken, when you feel like all hope is lost, remember... No, I got power in me, and it's not my power, because the Bible says you shall receive power, and that power is not weak. That power is explosive, superhuman power with enormous energy, might, and force. Well, I don't feel like that, Pastor. Well, you need another feeling. You need to remind yourself of the Spirit of God dwelling in you. I'm trying to stir you up this morning because that's what's true about you. If you receive the Holy Spirit, that's what's true about you. Whether you feel like it or not, that's what's true about you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not to make you weird. Not to make you better than somebody else. To make you have this power to overcome. This power to live a new life. This power to change your world. This power to overcome temptation. This power to live and do everything God has called us to do, which you cannot do in your own strength. You shall receive power. I'm preaching myself happy in this Methodist Assembly of God church today. I need to get this into you. You shall receive power. Stop saying you're hopeless. Stop saying you're powerless. Stop acting like the enemy has won. He's only won if you give up and act like you don't got any power when you do. This kind of power can overcome depression. Depression. This kind of power can overcome anxiety. This kind of power can kill cancer in your body. This kind of power can drive out demons. This kind of power can give you a new mind. This kind of power can change your life. This kind of power can help you not make a mistake the rest of your life if you listen to the Holy Ghost. And not acting like, oh, we're in a battle, Pastor. It's just a struggle. That's a lot of Christians talk like. Where's the power? Either you don't have it or you forgot you had it. Because you're not on the victim side anymore. You have power. I'm not saying it's yours. It's a gift. <laughs> and it's the greatest gift he's ever given us. And it's explosive. not a firecracker, thunder over Louisville. A lot of Christians are living like a little firecracker. When God wants to give you thunder over Louisville, power. That's the kind of power talked about in this verse. It's interesting to note that Jesus in his earthly ministry did no supernatural thing before he was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Setting an example for us, when Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost because he was walking as a man, when he did that for the next three years, he lived supernaturally. He overcame temptation. He lived a life full of power, Because the Holy Spirit was on him and in him and giving him power to do it. Because Jesus was walking as a man, not as God in that moment. And Jesus did that not to show you what he could just do. Jesus did that to show you what you could do. When you are empowered by the same Holy Spirit that empowered Him to do it. There's a reason they call us Christians. That means many Christ or many anointed ones. What's the anointing? The Holy Ghost. That we could be walking around just like the Master did doing the same works. Actually, that's a scripture. The same works that I did, you can do also in greater things. But the church is sitting over in the corner doing nothing. You know why? They don't have the power to do it. Let's read a verse here about Jesus. Acts 10, 38. Notice this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. How did Jesus do it? God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. How are you going to do it? Because God anoints you with the Holy Spirit in power. Here's a few things that God gives you power to do. Power to change your world. Power to be a witness. Power to live supernaturally. You don't have to live like everybody else. Here's another one power to overcome temptation. A lot of Christians are failing at this, but they left out the power. You can't beat it in your own strength, you can't overcome addiction in your own strength. And God doesn't want you to because you can't. That's why He gives you power to overcome. So I want to encourage you this morning, through the person of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God brings power into your life through the Spirit of God that you cannot get any other way. Or you could be like it said in Second Timothy, they deny the power that can make them godly. A lot of Christians do that because they're scared. They're fearful or they're just ignorant on the topic or less they just really don't want to change. It's more comfortable to live my life this way without the power. But God has more for you today, I'm telling you. God has this gift for you today. It's a promise. And you need God's power to live this new life. And it happens through God's empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. The next thing is this: He brings love. He brings love. The Holy Spirit brings power, but He also brings love. You're saying, "Well, power, you didn't, uh, Pastor, you didn't sound too loving today." You know what? I love you. That's why I'm talking this way. I'm not mad at you. I'm trying to stir you up on what's true and what's real. But a real person who's spirit-filled and walks in the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just believe in the power. They are a person of love. Let's read a verse, Romans 5 and 5 in the Amplified. Such hope in God's promise promises never disappoints us because God's love has been poured abundantly, poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Notice that God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the Holy Spirit brings love. Not human love, but God kind of love. The God kind of love in the Bible talks about in the original language, it's called the word agape which is God kind of love. It's unconditional. It loves at all times. It loves people that are unlovely. It loves people that are difficult. It never gives up on people. Love endures all things and hopes all things and believes all things. But that's not human love. That's God's love. But that God love was deposited in your heart and poured out in there when you received the Holy Spirit. Yes, power, but also love. Power and love. It's interesting to know, because we're trying to be well-balanced believers around here. Pentecostals emphasize the power and are grouchy. You can laugh. A lot of Pentecostals people believe in, we got the power, and they're not super nice to be around. Other side over here. Then you got the denominational side, They are super nice. Very loving. But also they don't believe in any of the supernatural stuff and no power in their life. Very nice. No power. It's not either or. It's both and. (laughs) Let's not be in one side of the ditch or the other. Let's be loving and have God's love, but also let's have God's power. Let's have God's power and believe in the supernatural, but let's walk in God's love. Let's not be in one side or the other, and that's what I've seen in my life. It's not either or, it's both, and. I uh, took a screenshot of this quote the other day, and it said, who cares if you speak in tongues if you're mean in English? (laughs) The reason that's funny is because we know too many Pentecostals like that if you had supernatural experiences with God and you're mean when you leave church, it was pointless that it happened. If you shout in church really loud and then you cuss out your neighbor, it was pointless that you shouted in church. If you did a little Holy Ghost jig up here at church and you're mean to your coworkers, it didn't matter, you did the dance. Who cares if you prayed in tongues at church if you're mean to your kids? Come on, let's talk about it. Doesn't matter if you pray in tongues or you're spirit-filled, if you're mean in English. Nobody cares. And you're doing it wrong if you're living that way. That means you're only doing those things to put on a show, not because you're really spiritually connected to the Holy Ghost. But we're going to be well-balanced about here. We're not going to just emphasize the power. We're going to emphasize love. We're not going to just emphasize love, we're going to emphasize the power, because the Holy Spirit comes to bring you power in love. Here's an interesting story, some of you have heard this before. When dad was in seminary, he was learning about what it meant to be spirit-filled. He wasn't spirit-filled yet, but he was a believer in Jesus. He had the Holy Spirit living in him, but he hadn't received the baptism of the holy spirit so he went to a spirit filled church to learn more about being spirit filled he was with four seminary students how many know seminary students know more than everybody else right cuz they read a book and they're only 20 years old so they know more than everybody else cuz they read a book and so there was four guys that went to this church in Louisville That was a spirit filled church that was reaching people, was seeing healings and miracles and signs and wonders, was seeing so many people saved. And this church used to be a Baptist church, but then became a spirit filled Baptist church. And so, dad and four other seminary students went to this pastor to ask him, What's the secret sauce? What's the difference maker? why your church is growing and thriving. And we're seminary students who we don't really believe fully in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this power you're talking about, but we have received salvation. So this pastor was very gracious to them, and he told them, hey, we just preach the Bible around here, and we just believe the Bible. It's that simple. The Bible says lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. So we do it. The Bible says you could speak in new tongues, so we believe it and we do it. The Bible says that miracles are for today, so we do it. The Bible says that you can pray deliverance over people and see demons cast out, and we we do that. We believe the Bible, so our church is growing and thriving. So there was one smart aleck student that got in this pastor's face, and he said, I just want you to know, that I got all the Holy Ghost I needed when I got saved. And that pastor who was spirit-filled just leaned back in his chair and said, if you did, where is he? You know why? No love. No love. Let's ask ourselves that question. If you do have him, where is he? If you're mean to everybody. If you do have them, then why do you argue with everyone on Facebook? No, I needed something better on that. Amen. No, it's you. It's some of you in here. I'm not looking at you. I'm not on Facebook. But I know. If you do, then why are you ticked at the Democrats or you're ticked at the Republicans or you hate CNN, or you hate Fox News, if you got him, where is he? So what was the pastor saying? You're acting like a butt. And you say you got the Holy Ghost? No, you don't. Because if you did, you would be walking in God's love. So so let's be balanced, Spirit-filled, believing. We believe in the Holy Spirit upon and within. We believe in His fullness. We are a Spirit-filled church. But let's not just emphasize the power, 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 which I believe in. I spent the whole service talking about. But let's be people of love because God equally brings power and love if we're really full of the Holy Spirit. And here's a little side note. Nobody wants your power if you're mean. <laughs> How are you going to even have the opportunity to pray for your coworker if you're not even friendly? Come here, let me pray for you. Get your hands off me, dude. Would you like to come to my church? I know I've been rude to you for 5 months, but we got the power. No, no thanks, man. I'm good. You know why I'm talking about this? Because there's a lot of Christians in this church and other churches that are in one ditch or the other. It's not right. It's not right. If we're going to be spirit-filled people, yes, God's power, but walking in God's love. And both are something we can't do in our own strength. That's why the Holy Spirit gives it to us. Because your power will run out in your own strength. That's why you got the Holy Ghost. And your love will run out. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5:22 and 23. Knows what it says? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Knows what the first one is? Love. Now, why do we get convicted when we read these verses? Because most of our lives don't look like this. But that shouldn't be the case that shows that we're depending on ourselves and not the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit's really working, that we should start seeing these things in our life. And I know it's a process, but notice the more time we spend it with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, letting Him be a part of our lives, this is what our life should look like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. There is no law against such things. But notice the Holy Spirit's the one that produces this in our life. He produces this kind of fruit if he's really in there. I need to close. Last verse I want to share is 2 Timothy seven. So the Holy Spirit brings his power and love, not just power, not just love, power and love. Second Timothy 1 and verse 7. Notice this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But, but notice the emphasis here. We, we always emphasize the first part. But notice says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, But, meaning, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us another spirit. And that spirit gives us power and love. And when you have the Holy Spirit, he's not going to make you crazy. He gives you a a sound mind. When you have the Holy Spirit, notice what it says in the Passion. It translates like this. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Power and love. Did you guys get something today? Well, let's pray. We're going to have a great time today, hanging out, enjoying ourselves. Father, we love you today, and we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. It's alive. It's full of power. We thank you for what you've imparted to us today. We thank you that we will be believers like that, that that don't just believe in one or the other. We believe in power and love. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would produce that kind of fruit in our life, that you'd fill us once again with your spirit. You'd fill us once again with your power and your love. Father, help us as believers in you to fully understand and desire your gifts. Desire the supernatural. Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us helpless or hopeless, but you've given us power to live this new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I believe for your people right now that we would be a church that exemplifies power and love to not just fellow believers but to the world that we have genuine power from you but we also walk in real God kind of love Father that's your will for us I pray right now Holy Spirit that you'd move into people's lives that you'd fill them once again in their hearts fill them to overflowing rest upon them so they can do everything you called them to do. Help us to be the church you've called us to be, the people you've called us to be, by your spirit and by your power. We thank you for all these things, and we thank you for a great day of fun and fellowship together as a church community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.